welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Pain. I don't think I know a single person in my demographic who doesn't have pain, somewhere or everywhere. I'm pretty healthy overall, but after a series of knee mishaps, my knees are quite happy to tell me when they're cold, or I've been in one position too long, or they don't like my sleeping position. (laughs) And the other day, they were seriously displeased that I decided to carry the 20-kilogram bag of dog food into the house. Like, seriously displeased for several days. Whenever I whine a bit, I hear, oh, for me, it's my hips, or my back is always sore my neck, my shoulders. If there were enough practitioners in this country, they might all have a lucrative practice. My guest today has been helping her clients deal with pain for over 15 years. Her credentials are numerous, yoga, nutrition, TRX, and I'll ask her to explain that, but if memory serves, it's suspension training, kettleballs, and BOSU. I've seen those at my physios. They're like half balls and you get to do a bunch of balance and core exercises with them. She's a personal trainer and a yoga therapist. (laughs) So you think she can tell us a bit about getting fitter and more active, maybe even pain-free? Hema Murti, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I can't wait to hear your tips for us today. Well, thank you. It's so great to be here. What an opportunity. Thank you for that intro. Amazing. Thank you. Well, there's a little bit more because I did some digging yesterday. And you have an impressive set of fitness credentials, but you're also an aerospace engineer. Tell us more about you, please. Okay, well, yes, I am an aerospace engineer, always will be in the back of my mind. I think that's my template on which I decided that there was a a break, a, a kind of a chasm between the world of fitness, probably in the 70s or so, that time frame, Fitness did take off around the world. People realized that regular people have to train, not just someone who looks like Arnold. And um, then that came into the regular lifestyle. But there was a chasm between a demographic of women in general, not any age group, just in general, women training bodies and the world of training. And as I said, I referred to that Arnold icon and that's where the training went so my engineering hat because I was interested in in training and I was interested in just keeping healthy it wasn't anything crazy not training for the Olympics or race or anything but I just wanted to say well how do I answer that question how does a woman who has a full uh, life with family and studying you know if you're doing college or if you're just starting your work uh, career how do you stay healthy? How do you do all those things? Because 
I think there's something there for me. And there was no one to really answer the question whenever I went to get training as an engineering student, um, someone doing grad school, working part-time, just doing the stuff that everybody will do or as an engineer would do. And then uh, trying to answer that question, there was nothing. There was just this one size fits all um, attitude. And my engineering brain, which was kind of focused on problem solving, number one, that's the word engineer, engineer. It means a person who's ingenious enough to solve a problem. So my problem solving side of me said, there is a disconnect here. A body is a system. It works a certain way. And one has to be a little bit uh, concerned about how their own body works because you don't look like anyone else. You don't look or have the same feel of or same muscle groups or structure bones than anybody else. So why should your training be the same? Is that affecting you? Or is there, is there some commonality that you can eke out of the typical one size fits all thing? That was the question that, that kind of ran through my mind as an engineer. So my engineering hat gave me the motivation to say, you know what, at some point when I've done all the things I wanted to do in engineering, in air quotes, because, you know, you have a dream. I want to design an aircraft. I want to blah, blah, blah. So you, as, a, as, a, as a person growing up in that career, you have a, a few things you want to hit boxes. And once you've hit those boxes, you want to say, well, maybe I can just keep that on autopilot and keep doing those things and find that self-fulfillment there. But maybe there's a part of me that I can eke out to do the fitness. And that's what I did. At some point in my career, I decided I'll put some effort into actually establishing a company, Shanti Consulting, Shanti meaning peace in Sanskrit. So I wanted to have that peaceful kind of inner looking, really rubber hitting the road, so to speak, making a difference training for women. Let's specify the women category. It's so underlooked. I mean, now Yes, now we've got lots and maybe overwhelmed with different types of women, female training. And maybe now that's a, a question we need to address. But way back when, when I started my company, 2005, so it's been a good 15 years and, and adding, so 17 or so years, that was the question I answered. And initially, there was a, a, a lot of women came to me and said, I'm so glad that I have this resource now. I know what I can do safely. There's a person in the loop at the other end who can say, review what I'm doing, what I need to do, and then administer it. And then the other part of that equation is as an engineer, I felt like the fitness world was doing something crazy as if we were all the uh, the gym rats. They kind of put it on its head and said, fitness first, you know, eke out a few hours in your day to do all the nutrition, like you mentioned, that whole list of nutrition and your workouts and your stress management and, and the list goes on. Uh, uh, no, I have a real life. I have family demands. I have a career. When my fit, feet hit the floor, I have to go, go, go and do all the things I have to do. So excuse me, me, the me, it, it, it's not getting into this equation. No way. So then my company that I started, well, I wanted to get that addressed also. What is the real answer to that age-old question? How much time do I need to dedicate to that age-old air quotes workout that plagues us all? Do I have to go to a gym? Like there's a million questions and you can, you can start from there. And those are the questions I would get myself included 
I wanted to answer. And my clients would have that same age old, age old set of questions. What can I get away with at home workouts? What's the minimum amount of time? Do I have to go crazy on the nutrition? Do I have to, you know, go get a dietitian? Do I have to start a book? Do I have to start a journal? Do I have to go health food store? Yes. You know, like it goes on and you go crazy. And, and the world went, literally went crazy. I could see it in my client's eyes when they first, you know, that bug eyed look like, oh, what do I have to do? And there was a lot of fear. Like if I didn't do all those things that the media was trying to tell me, those are sponsored advertisements, but you know, how can you tell the difference really? Is, do I have to do that? Oh, I don't know. Am I missing out? Am I going to, you know, are my kids going to be able to access me? Is my life going to go down the drain? You know, these are important questions. Well, the media peppers us with those messages. You know, I came in with this honest engineering approach. I just want to answer the question and make it easy. I wanted to make it easy. I really wanted to get that. What's the minimum amount of time someone has to spend to get fit, to be the help? What is it? What is it we really want? Women want to be the healthiest version of themselves. No, they don't want to be Arnold or Jane Fonda or go on the Olympic stage or do that and all the others. No, I want to be, this is what most people tell me, including me, what is the healthiest healthiest version of me that could run my life so that I have enough energy to do it all, all the things I want to do, and then efficiently get it through efficiently and still be the star in, you know, my, my career that I worked so hard for, or, you know, my family stuff, you know, what, whatever it is you want to do, how can I do all of those things without, you know, petering out of gas, be uh, available emotionally, mentally, and physically for all of those things I want to do. That's the question that fitness answers. And that's the question they should have been answering. So I supplied that information. That's in a nutshell, how to answer your question. <laughs> it's interesting that you, you go that route too, because, you know, I was in the same boat. I had three kids in three years. I had a household to run, blah, 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 blah. And true confessions, I did have a background in fitness training. And that was after my third child. It was like, if I, if I have to lead a class, I'll show up. So I went that route. True. But I remember taking the courses and the one definition of fitness that I heard that just, it really rang true with me was, Fitness means that you have enough energy and skill to get through all the demands of your day and at the end of the day still have a bit left over for that fight or flight if necessary. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it just made so much sense. But, uh, yeah, so I, t- I start talking about activity, not not fitness as much. Just to, Exactly. Yeah. That's that's true. Now, that's taken on like so many other words in the English language. And I, I could get on, I'll write a book on that one. But the thing was that, fitness has taken on a totally different meaning than the definition you gave that's spot on that's what it should be that should stay that way but it has taken on a color of its own it's it's this animal that uh, either you fear it or you love it and you you know you kind of let it you know who is, is the human walking the dog or the dog walking the human kind of thing you know is fitness serving you or are you living to you know, fitness is, is something ruling your life. You know, those are the questions one should answer also. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's start with yoga, because I think everybody's heard of yoga. And I believe, because this is not my bailiwick, I can believe it can be as gentle as possible or as strenuous as you want it. Is that correct? True. Um, and then to extrapolate from that, the answer to your question is yes. But the 
fundamental question is, what is yoga? So the way it came over here to this part of the world, uh, it took on a different, uh, it morphed into something that was not the original yoga. Now, in 2022, we're seeing some people try to reclaim some of some elements of the original definition, but it's still not there yet. Now, I studied yoga from India, and it's in a university setting, so as a, as a university uh, certificate program. And I also have lived the yoga lifestyle because of my ancestors and their training of me. And it's, it's a totally different thing. It may be called the same name, but it had at the beginning of my company, uh, when, when I started my company at the beginning of that uh, time frame, uh, the yoga I saw outside was nothing like the real yoga. And so I took it upon myself. That was another prong of my company's goal is to reset the definition of yoga. Now, the proof of having accomplished that goal to some level is that now, after this many years, I have people in my yoga class who started out with the idea that they hate yoga. What they hated was the way yoga was presented in the Western world initially, incorrectly, and which was not, it's not the original yoga. It may have to share the same name. They called it that, but it wasn't. It's, it's almost as if you took some element of some big long thing and made it into its own thing and called it the whole. Uh, suppose you took a play, let's say a Shakespeare play, took one line out of it somewhere smack dab in the middle and called it the whole play. Would that be representative of the play? I think Shakespeare would disagree. A lot of theater practitioners would disagree and so on. And I could go on, but that analogy is, is essentially that, that the asana portion of the original yoga practice, which is what was touted as yoga. So in itself, that's incorrect. Second thing is that the asana portion of the practice, which is the physical portion of the practice, has nothing to do with going through physical motions. Now, if you want to uh, allow me, I'll take, I'll take maybe a minute to explain yoga. Oh, please do. I was just thinking as you spoke, it's like, well, here we go. Another thing that we've westernized to make it easier to, for ourselves or, or not, you know, like we didn't have to learn this and we don't have to stretch ourselves and it's it's such a western thing to do <laughs> shortcut i call it the baskin robinization of yoga <laughs> well there you go perfect i'll remember that one <laughs> it's my personal idea because there's so many flavors because one of the popular questions i get is which type of yoga do you do you know a person is a caucasian who studied here their whole life and then they'll ask me that and i'm thinking to myself well, depending upon who the person is, I answer differently. But in a short answer, the short answer is there is only one type of yoga. It's yoga. <laughs> There's no flavors here. So here's the explanation, you know, for all to understand the what yoga is. Yoga started thousands of years ago, maybe 7,000 to 10,000 years ago or so. You know, people who lived or beings, let's call them, you know, pre predates us clearly you know whatever beings lived uh, because they came uh, the teachings came from human beings passed on there was never writing was not involved 
it was just passed on and taught by masters to their to their disciples. And these people lived in remote areas. Why? Because that's all they wanted to do was practice yoga for the purpose of some evolution of the being. It can't, it went from a, a work a day, you know, in society person to someone who went away from society so that they could practice and bring out, manifest their higher, their 2.0 or their 3.0 version of themselves. And so they went away from society to practice in isolation and bring out the inner fire and practice some serious disciplines, which the regular person is not equipped to do. So don't try this at home, you know, times 10. Um, so, the, so those people had a physical body, but they were trying to manifest some, you know, as I said, a more evolved being, which is beyond what we could describe in words. Now, in trying to do that, those practices took a toll on the human cells because they're kind of in between an evolutionary step of the next being and the human. So they're really pushing their human body to withstand the practices that they were doing in order to get that evolutionary being. So the human cells, the raft, the, the, the boat on which they were trying to carry that being to the next thing would get destroyed in the process and they wouldn't get there. So in order to keep that, the body alive, the cellular body, the human body alive so that they could get to that journey, make that journey, and then the body can disappear and that being would continue on. They had to move it. Otherwise it would mortify. And then, you know, it would, it would be like rigor mortis kind of thing. So it would not be able to keep sustain them. So they created or emanated from them were these movements, which they did in this isolated area, wherever they were, like on top of the Himalayas, for example, uh, wherever they were doing their practice in really extreme conditions. Um, they had to keep it alive. And there's, you know, food and, and liquid and all of that was smaller than what you and I would do in, a, in, a, in the society that we live in. So it just had to be kept alive and kept moving. So these asanas, as they are called, are motions that they created for the body to sustain itself so that they could continue doing their spiritual practice to the point where the body could go and they couldn't care less and the being continued on. So you're taking something for, I mean, just think about it, for example, even you and I sitting, if, if we did this, which is not necessary, by the way. But if we suppose sat on the floor cross-legged, you know, how long are you going to do that before your knees, as you're, you know, in your preamble, uh, hats off, because that's exactly what will happen. Your knees, your ankles, and the story goes on from there. Like, forget it. It's just not going to happen. It's just going to be agony. And forget about the mind thinking about something else. I want to think about some heat and pad for my knees. Get out of here. I don't care about anything else. Spiritual, virtual, I don't care. Let me just get, get out of this physical pain first. So, you know, all to say is you have to move. You have to keep the body moving. And that's true even now. Like, all of our problems are from sitting you know, <laughs> the age old problem. So moving that body, you know, trying to create its continuation of healthy body, healthy life, because they needed a healthy raft to get take them. So those practices were what are called yoga asanas. They're right smack dab in the middle of all the practices that one would do in this journey that they were doing a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> so somehow somebody got whiff of this 
<laughs> and without understanding the front of the sentence or the end of the sentence, you know, kind of took plant out of the sentence. Like, you know, who knows what they said before <laughs> at the end. It just took one word out of it and said, yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach everybody how to do all of this crazy stuff. I don't know what that is, but it looks cool to me, boy. I'm just going to stand on my head forever and, you know, forget the fact that the person doing it has some chronic neck condition or has, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. Well, stand on your head because that's what yoga is, man. You know, so this all craziness just came over, you know, to this side of the world with its craziness and just took off. You know, it just took off, not to diminish in any way its benefits if done properly, even in this context, which is what I'm working with now, when I started my company and started teaching yoga, even within that context, you can still, you know, as my clients now have testimonials, you know, before I met Hema, you know, yoga was a four letter word that's on my website, somebody actually said that, you know, so that that was the constant refrain I would get this is yoga and they accidentally you know kind of parachuted into my class and I don't even know oh I think some of the answers some people gave me how they came there is that some of their friends would say you gotta go this isn't really like you know the other classes you gotta come so people would drag them in to my classes you know kind of kicking and screaming and they go oh this is yoga I love this this is good I feel good you know this is all nice and stuff and I can you know get on with my day and it's helping and the biggest testimonials when because yoga is usually populated by women, normally, I don't know where that came from, because originally it was usually males who practiced it in the Himalaya. So that's that old the divide happened, which made it into this flimsy Jane Fonda ish type of thing, you know, that not to say anything, diminish her stature, but it just became, got really silly. That's all it went on that silly train. So women would attend yoga class. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. They loved it so much. They saw it's how it ramified that they would drag their husbands into class. And so I got more men attending my classes than other instructors would. Plus, the women would have some hiccup in their life that prevented them from attending and the men would stay. So I ended up having like a class, you know, most like a half and half, which never happens in a yoga class. And sometimes it would actually be dominated by the husband's. Maybe, you know, one or two more females would be able to show up. So that's the short story of yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too, that I love the way you explained it, because I've gone to yoga classes at the gym and and I don't stay because, first of all, you're asking me to do this position while I'm twisting my head to see what you're doing in that. But like, so it's like, I I can't do both. You know, I'm going to fall over the minute I tip my head. No, you can see how I'm kind of cringing to that whole idea. It was never meant to be that. So that's why my classes are very different. You know, I do a demonstration. I mean, not to belabor the point, but you know, the, the thing is that I will do a demonstration, have them watch me absorb it. They do it. And then I watch them. That's how the normal Class. <laughs> I want to go to your class. <laughs> oh, thank you. I would be honored. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, total sideways question here now, and I'm really flaunting my Western ignorance. Yoga. Yes. We also know the term yogi as in person. Are they related? Yes, uh, a yogi is a person who uh, practices yoga. For an extended amount of time where, you know, it would manifest to a level of seriousness 
that it would manifest in his being or her being. Just showing off my Beatles background. (laughs) Well, some of them were really serious practitioners. And to be honest, I think their practice was uh, the ones that did uh, off the group that did honestly practice. George Harrison is one of them who actually manifested some of that in his music. And uh, he knew Ravi Shankar, who introduced him to uh, Indian music and taught him how to uh, incorporate elements of Indian music. Now, anything Indian uh, from the subcontinent has a spiritual basis to it. Its originality is always so music originated in a, in a spiritual context. So he, Ravi Shankar was an ardent follower of that that original type of framework, mental mindset framework, and studied it rigorously. And he passed that on to George Harrison. And in George, in some of George Harrison's music, that those elements can be seen. Unfortunately, he tried to mix it and introduce it, and, and there were some lost elements. But he had read, George Harrison did, had read some textbooks, some original texts, which even now we can't get a hold of that Ravi Shankar gave him of yoga and, and how to practice it in, in its context in which he wanted to. So he did go quite far. And you, and I have, I've actually written an article on it, which got published in a, in a not so popular Vedanta <laughs> journal, but it was published in, uh, in some sense. And uh, it's about this George Harrison's journey. And uh, so, you know, later on, I can certainly send you the link at mm-hmm. some point. I would be interested. George Harrison was always my favorite Beatle. Isn't that funny? <laughs> right from the early yes, days. Yeah, yes, yes yeah. I understand. And also Paul McCartney's music shows that um, he is less overt with his kind of affected, uh, you know, level of how much he was affected by that. But it is clear to anyone who understands Indian music a bit. I see a lot of elements of that in his music also. But I think he's less he, he's less talkative about it. He's more subtle with his connection he wants to show his in in his music and less uh overtly you know talkative about his connection but he was also it looks like he was affected by that Mm. connection as well (laughs) i'll just maintain my crush on george (laughs) for sure (laughs) okay i'm gonna move on i'm just gonna go through the list here trx was i right with that suspension stuff and (laughs) Yes, total resistance exercise. Very good. That was an excellent segue. Yes. Now, suspension training, uh, why I love it and why I studied it. Um, and, and as you know, if you know me by now in this far in the in this interview, it's because everything I do has that support of, A, it has to make a difference. I don't study something just because it's the latest fitness fad. That to me is the way to kill your fitness credentials uh, being faddish at any level and anything, because that's just not the way to do it. Honestly, women would benefit a lot. I'm not plugging them. I get nothing from uh, TRX, but uh, suspension training was invented by, again, a guy who is extremely passionate about helping the common person. Duh, where have we heard this before? You know, the inventor of TRX, whose name just escapes me now, but a very important person in the fitness industry. He was on in uh, he was an he is a Navy SEAL. And while they were 
doing their practices, uh, he he was working on these suspension training ropes, and that's how they apparently that's how they train when they're away. They have no equipment; they can't start taking dumbbells around. It's just gonna sink the ship. But the thing is, you needed to train. So he discovered, hey, why can't once he's done his stint in the um, Navy, he came out and started this company. And in the beginning, again, it was a tough going to convince people this is going to be a good thing. But when I heard whiff of that, I said, yes, women, you're going to love this because portable, safe space can do anywhere, sign me up, you know, and benefits uh, are immense. You know, if your Navy SEAL can do it, you'll see the benefits are really amazing. And you can take it with you and it takes this much room in your, you know, my, I think my clothes take more room than a TRX. So you can really just wrap it up in a bag and, you know, put it, take it anywhere, there's always a door anywhere in any place that you can use to uh, hook it up. And and you can vary the difficulty of the exercises based on your fitness level. And anyone can get benefit. And there is a rehab version of it. There's a, so many rehab exercises, meaning that if you have an issue like, hello, so, uh, you know, like knees, you know, welcome to the club kind of thing, um, shoulders and back or any any other issues that a person has, we can work totally around it and get, you know, some fitness level going and have some regularity in it. So I'm a big fan of them. I've been certified. Yes. And I taught it a while, but I, again, I, I kind of get away from the fad versions of that. Like uh, that has a tendency to happen in many kind of subject matters where you know, people will rally around something just for the sake of rallying around. Yeah, I, I know it's a human nature thing. You got to rally around something and then, you know, off you go into the next faddish idea and fitness. But I think this is something that should be in everybody's fitness bag. If there's one piece of equipment they should get, it's probably a TRX. Well, I think to the fact that, I mean, you use the word equipment, but it is minimalist. Yeah. And, and if I know enough about it, it's a lot about your own body too. Yeah. So you work within the confines of your abilities yes. and then you grow from there. Right. And it it brings you closer to your body a lot like yoga does. I know I hate to start that conversation because people will take the wrong conclusion from it, but you know, yoga is a hello, introduce yourself to yourself. It's getting to know you. And TRX does that also, because as you pointed out, it is a body weight thing. It's me and me against me. And and I, and you grow, the muscles do grow. And it's a really quick way to get benefits in a short amount of time. Because what do women have a lot uh, less of than others? Time and space. And this creates that environment. And, and you're right. I mean, there are a lot of instructions, a lot of classes, not so good. Again, just like yoga, the whole group fitness thing, which blew out, you know, in the Jane Fonda days in the Western world still has a strong hold on people because we love, we're human, we're social. And then the pandemic has caused a kibosh on that. And we like to, you know, work out with other people. I'm going to go all out only if I see my friend in the next thing go all out too, because we're going all out together and making those, you know, moments for ourselves, which we can share during class. That's great. But this, at the end of the day, there's got to be you answering to you. And if, if that's not happening, you still have to take care of your body. And I think connection with your body is proprioception, you know, knowing where your body is, 
I mean, it's a buzzword in fitness, but every person should be aware of where their body is, who they are, where they want to go. They can answer those three questions and fitness helps you achieve that. I know it's as high and flighty as it sounds, you know, it's true. I feel sometimes like I'm, I'm, I'm Hema light um, because <laughs> even today I, well, except for COVID, I teach elderly people or I lead elderly people through a series of exercises. And, and I do that whole, you know, you, you know what your body skills are, like just even lean on the wall and do some gentle push-ups that way or just oh, all yeah. that stuff. So as I say, I'm, I'm Hamalite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're all into that whole get, get to know your body. I mean, those of us who, you know, I, I, you're speaking here to the choir clearly, but the thing is that, you know, those of us who want everybody to just be the best version of themselves. And I think that's why we all got into fitness. And I think you're echoing that same sentiments. You know, the reason we do something is because we just want people to not make so many excuses. It's a lot simpler than the world is making it seem to you. So don't make that the reason why you're not doing it. I can show you a better way, you know, and that's, I think, why we do that kind of service, even though we have other backgrounds you know and other career lines it doesn't matter and everyone gets into the fitness thing and the other thing that actually uh you know just connecting those dots there we're talking about you know the yoga the trx the group fitness just connecting that the reason there's such a big you know disconnect and so many people having fitness issues in the world despite having so many of us in the world i mean the number of people in fitness uh as professionals has grown but why do we still have a diabetic epidemic, an obesity epidemic, and the list goes on. Why? Because at the same time, just because somebody understands something doesn't make them a professional in it. And for example, suppose I tell you, okay, I'm an aerospace engineer, and you're telling me, well, I flew one. So can I just do this in my basement, put a you know, Boeing thing together, whatever they're called, and you know, get people on it and fly them to you know, to India or something? Well, everyone knows the answer to that question. And yet that's exactly what's going on in the fitness world. Where's your education? If I said a muscle name, how many of those professionals can tell me, A, where it is, what its purpose is, what's what are the exercises that I would need to help that grow? Or, you know, what are the things that it's connected to bone-wise? What is it? What is it supposed to do? Am I supposed to pay attention to it? Can you help me with it if it's not functioning? Without books and without Google, can they answer those? Those are the fitness professionals. Those who can tell you that off the bat. That's a professional because they've studied it so deeply that that's inside. It's not, I have to Google it. Google, you know, give me a break. If that's your problem, if that you need to do that, then you should get out because you're dealing with a human body. And the fact that that whole profession is allowed to train people without that information, which is what's happening. I know this, so I'll teach it in, I know not to knock down anybody who's actually, whose heart is in it, who's trying. But those who think this is a quick career line, that's dominating the profession at some level. And that is what's causing the problem. I mean, how many aerospace engineers do you find who don't know aerodynamics? And how many fitness professionals do you know who come across at not knowing a lot of things? Human body, give me a break. What if you broke something? Does that bother you? Does that make you sleep less? It should. 
And then why aren't you not picking up a book and getting that information or buddying up? I'm not saying everyone should be Einstein in fitness. Buddy up, buddy up with a professional and say, ah, I got the name of the person who invented TRX, Randy Hetrick. Buddy up with Randy Hetrick. He's so approachable. He's on Instagram and you could you know, DM and say, hey, I'm a fitness professional. I want to get better. Any tips? He'll help you like, and there's, and the list goes on. He's not the only one, but there's some real fitness giants who know their stuff and who really want to help people. And they will help anybody. If, if honestly, if somebody says I'm teaching a group fitness class, I, I, I just want to help people. I, I may not know enough about kinesiology right now, you know, human kinetics and stuff. So tell me what, what's the best thing I can do in, in you know, an hour a day. Oh man, there's so many people who will help you. You know, and that's what I'm looking for. Just be honest and try to be better tomorrow than you are today in your field. I'll, I'll vouch for that because I remember <laughs> those days of between the nutrition and uh, the physiology of like, my brain is going to just burst. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Trying to remember it all. And... and that's another topic that's totally gone off. Just like the word fitness, nutrition has also gone off into another, you know, another cosmos. And it's made it into this difficult thing that makes everybody confused. And the, the fact of the matter is it, it can be boiled down. This is what I teach my clients, you know, just to benefit your audience for listening to me this long, I can tell them the two rules of nutrition are the following. And if they forget everything else, they will be a fitter version of themselves. And if you disagree, let me know. But there's two basic rules is be in touch with you. Don't make your nutritional intake a thing. It's not. It's you connecting with you. So be aware just be self-aware when you're eating. Be aware if it takes you, to, if it requires you to start a journal, do it. If that's what it takes, if that's your homework for yourself, if that's what it takes for you to become aware. But the problem is that this disconnect between your eating patterns and your awareness of your eating patterns is what causes all of the problems. I mean, if a diabetic person knows that they should not be eating a donut, duh. But if they do go that avenue, then clearly if they know that's not what they should do for the healthy body, there is a disconnect between what they know and what they're doing. So they're not in touch. And why are they suspending that in-touchness? That's the question they need to answer first. Not taking the donut out of their hand. That just solves nothing and actually makes it worse because now they're going to search for something else. Why are you searching? And they need to answer that for themselves. And so as trainers, what we need to do is lead them through that journey, self-awareness, you know? And so if they uh, can practice some practice, for example, if they can eat to 80% full, that's a buzzword that we have. No one understands what that means. But what it really means, just like the yoga example, is just be self-aware. How full are you? When are you full? When do you need food? When do you need to eat? What time? You know, what, what times of day does your body think it, it's in need of it? So the other part of that, which I said two rules. So one is that self-awareness. So, you know, understand what your 80% full, what does that mean to you? 
make that your definition. It's going to be different for the 7 billion people on the planet. So make your own definition. Don't listen to anybody. Hear nothing. The second rule is to consume food slowly. And if that means you have to make some journaling, for example, today, if you're eating lunch and you're noting the time it takes you to eat, then challenge yourself to say tomorrow, I'm going to eat for take the same meal and eat it for a minute longer. And try to just challenge yourself to go along that vector. Now we do all kinds of push-up challenges, you know, 5K challenges, this challenge, that challenge, five-day challenge, and the list goes on. Why not give yourself a realistic challenge? Like if you just consumed your food slower, that will give you that. Like these two are are two together. They go together. Because the self-awareness is what is the problem. Like I showed you, the, you know, for the diabetic example that I showed that I just gave, that is an example of how that self-awareness would help. And I think we can globally just say we have less of an epidemic for health issues like obesity and diabetes, for example, if that self-awareness was taught more than eating rules, which is what it's dumbed down to. And, you know, we're doing the same dance as the yoga thing or the fitness thing. It's always the same. Dumb things down where they don't make any sense. And people are put off by it. So they they go like this. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, too, that I, I relate it to mindfulness where we eat on the run. You know, we're never really paying much attention to serving size. Serving sizes are ridiculous. Actually, I read something recently that the size of a dinner plate has actually increased in the last 30 years or something. And, and you see people all the time, it's like this big mound of food, whereas I've tried to do the opposite of, okay, I'm going to eat. I eat a lot of bowl dishes. I eat out of a smaller bowl now, as you say, appreciate what, oh, the flavor oh, of that, that yam or something. And then by the time you're done, you can get up. If you're still hungry, you maybe take a little bit more, but chances are you probably aren't hungry anymore. And really listening to your body of, oh, I, yeah, I'm definitely hungry now. So I'll yeah. go, you know, and plan ahead, I guess, to a certain extent so that you don't go racing oh, yeah. to the fridge and, and, and pull out the ice cream. But Correct. The tools and tricks go on from here yeah, to infinity. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But it all starts with, what do I need? I need help with, you know, and fill in the blank. Like, like I said in the example what is it that your self-awareness is not accomplishing? And it all boils down to that, that one thing, meaning that if a person has, has noticed a track of, and, and I'm not saying, you know, this is a big fallacy is that, that you can't enjoy food or enjoyable foods, you know, who doesn't like, I mean, if you have a sweet tooth like myself and some members of my family, there's always times to enjoy food. but don't let it control you. Like the, you know, the human walks the dog, the dog doesn't walk the human. Although in some cases I see my friends and my neighbors that could be happening. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the example, but the example is, is that, you know, make sure you know who's the leading what, and it serves us to get some enjoyment out of life. But if that's what's missing in your life, Maybe make a list of, you know, 10 things where you, you also are enjoying. And the, the only uh, difference here is that with food, the feedback loop is so immediate, whereas other things, it takes you longer. But also, it's as short-lived as it is quick 
to uh, give you the feedback, the enjoyment feedback, it also lasts like 10 seconds in your mouth. So, you know, and that's why we have this. But all that means is there's something that the world is not giving you. Something is lacking, clearly. And that's, that's the red light that should go on for everyone. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy you know, your box of donuts. Like the other day, I, get, I had a, a friend who helped me out with something and, you know, it was Christmas time. So of course, you know, sweets, so, so I, a box of cookies and uh, they were special, like his, his origins were in Europe. And so he was really appreciative about that. And he told me, you know, in, in jest, it's, it's a refrain that should be stopped. But his answer was, this is really going to go against my diet. So, I mean, I'm his buddy, so I don't not going to go there. But I was just like, hey, yeah, it's Christmas. Enjoy, go back. You know, do do whatever you want to have some fun. But what went through my mind is that should not even be a statement. There's so many things wrong with that statement, and and we could do a whole hour on that. But the thing is that I think people understand that what you're saying to yourself is very important when it comes to things. I would have preferred, you know, not that specific example. That's just a buddy, but. You know, in general, if 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 there is something you enjoy, you know, what do you say? You know, thanks. That's great. I will enjoy it. I mean, enjoyment is part of life. And that's something we should celebrate and be grateful for. But don't curtail it saying, you know, somehow diminish it in some respect to say that you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. That's the death sentence we give ourselves. And that's why we have a problem. When you say don't, you want to do it. Don't think of the Eiffel Tower. What is everybody thinking about? <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. And and I call it fun food. So, yeah, you know, like if, if this is a fun occasion, then I can indulge in that fun food, you know, yeah. moderately. But um, yeah, just like we don't play Monopoly all the time. If, if for those who, who like that game, you know, I mean, you just can't play all the time. You have to, there's got to be some more <laughs> balance, you know. So fun food, that's a good word for it. Or just enjoyment or try to enjoy something else, you know, maybe and, and I always say everything plays in, you know, when your body is craving something, it's probably not breathing properly. And unfortunately, it does go boil down to the fact that you probably, you know, if you did a workout, why is it that after you do a workout, you really don't feel like eating? Because you breathed your, your energy in through the workout. Hey, I always used to do my grocery shop after a fitness class. <laughs> exactly. Totally makes sense. And that's pretty, really logical. You know, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> okay. The kettleballs. Tell us about kettleballs. I don't know a lot about them at all. Okay. Well, first it's kettlebell. It's a oh, bell. Kettle, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a kettlebell. That's where right. the, uh, the original name of it. That's, that's the name for that uh, specific piece of equipment. An amazing piece of equipment, I must say, for women. Women would get a lot of bang for your buck with a kettlebell. Now, its origin is in Russia, as a lot of exercise science that we imbibe in the West is from Russia. And in Russia, they used to have certain sizes of kettlebells. So they would start, I think, at they were measured in poons, which was their measurement system. And there's a certain number of kilograms per poons, which I forgot. I just had that piece of information when I was teaching it. I don't need to know it now. So it went out the window, but you would Google that. But the important piece of information here is that a lot of people trained with it. A lot of men trained with it. And it was in a higher size. Here we started 12 kilograms. That's the basic. That's the lowest amount of, a, of an original kettlebell training program. 
12 kilograms. But I think they started much higher. I get 20 kilograms is my guess because it was a very fast and strength oriented training for a segment. Again, all of these things started as practices for a segment of of the population like yoga. You know, it wasn't meant to be crawling down all the way to the regular person. Like, hey, you stand on your head. It's great for you. You'll, you'll trust me. You know, it doesn't work that way. So again, the strength, this high strength training, really elite, strong person program was taken up by uh, some individuals who are experts in exercise science. And they use this kettlebell to train, to develop an exercise science program again for the North American population of who the same kind of person that was being trained in Russian in that society. So they just carried that exercise science over, kind of dwindled it down to a few specific exercises that they could train, some motions with the kettlebell that they could train people on this side. And Pavel is the first name of the guy whose second name I cannot pronounce because it's Russian and it's long. But Pavel was the guy who brought it over and he wrote a book on kettlebell training. Now, again, what happened with that is as the story goes, we can sing the rest of that song in the same way we sang the song for yoga. It got dumbed down to the point where you saw a one pound or two pound kettlebell in Walmart, which is so ludicrous because the point of a kettlebell and maybe aficionados will, there was different theories about this, but here's my take on it from a practitioner's point of view, who studied it, who wanted to teach it, who wanted to know everything about it. Basically the system of kettlebell trainings and the reason it starts with 12 kilograms, there's a reason it's not supposed to be taken down. You know, you, you don't bring the high thing down to the, you try to get to the high thing. You don't cut off the top of the Himalayas and bring it down. Hey, I've climbed it. Yay. <laughs> Put it in your living room. <laughs> you know, you get to train to climb up that. So it can develop muscle with the, okay, I can, uh, put the thing in front that says the preamble says with the caveat that if you train properly with a, a person, a knowledgeable instructor who's certified, who's done all their best attempts of getting the knowledge properly and teaching it, then you can deliver the biggest bang for your buck. I guarantee it. Like a year of kettlebell training, as opposed to a year of traditional weight training, You'll see if the same person goes through, you had a twin that's an identical twin in everything and both trained in different methodologies, the kettlebell person, more than likely 99% sure would get a better bang for their buck. Their muscle growth would be bigger. They would be fitter and they would be healthy all around. So that's the benefit of kettlebell. Now, again, it wasn't meant to be a group exercise. This is what we do in North America. Take everything and swoop it into a group exercise format. So you who hasn't worked out or walked around the block in 10 months, and you who looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you guys, you're going to do kettlebells with me. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) You know, and so that happens. Now, even I, when I, and I did a lot of weight training because I did a lot of, I was I'm interested in exercise. I was honestly just interested. I didn't want to live at the gym. I wasn't a, a gym rat or anything like that. I didn't sleep with a dumbbell under my pillow. No, none of that. 
It's just that I wanted the best body so I can do my regular life. I thought it was a good vehicle, you know, get, stay uh, healthy and all of that. Like, just like you were talking in your refrain, that was exactly me. But I knew there was some methodology since I was a group fitness instructor. I wanted to get into some of these. Hey, if somebody, something can help somebody faster, let me, let me add it because I, I want to teach that. But what happened again was the fad came in and people would come in and say, teach me kettlebells, teach me kettlebells. And I said, okay, well, how many push-ups can you do? And I preamble my class with a kind of a, you know, sequence that would tell people, I shouldn't be in this class. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so my, right. My warm-up kind of told the story, you know, because I do uh, lots of squats, lots of push-ups, lots of stuff that would tell them, uh, okay, I'm going to go into the other class. Bye. You know, that kind of thing that we really should tell them because there's a minimum amount of fitness you need to do kettlebell training and a lot of mobility, um, not, not to say that you can't use it as a rehab tool. It's a, a wonderful rehab tool. In fact, about 80% of my clients have kettlebells now oh. because of me, because there's some ways that you can use kettlebells to get uh, into the rehab modality. And they're amazing rehab tools. Again, you know, the instructor in the loop better be on top of his or her game because you could do a lot of disservice to the person and send them the other way if you didn't, you know, advise them appropriately. But a lot of my clients have, it's amazing. One anecdotal a reference to a testimonial-ish kind of a thing, one of my long-standing clients, one of my longer uh, times that she's been with and had a visit from, a, I guess it was a, a daughter of a friend that she had visited her at the cottage. And my, my client had these 35 pound kettlebells at the time in her cottage. And so the daughters, I think they're in their twenties and their jaws just drop, you know, here's a 60 plus woman. And it was, you know, for a minute, they thought it's just, decoration or that you're holding up paperweight or something and then and then no like she was actually using it in front of that was her work I said I was talking to her on the phone when she was at the cottage giving her her workout guiding her through and they were going after that their jaw just went to the floor and there's are you serious this is what you use to train what I can't even lift that thing and I'm you know I go to the gym every day I mean there you go you know I rest my case so Yeah. And, and just that whole thought of, and and I love that concept of being this age and shocking the doo-doo out of a young person. Cause it's like, (laughs) we are so capable, but caveat. Yeah. Just be careful. Do it slowly. Do it with a professional learn properly. Need a professional in the loop. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a really good segue to, and, and I don't even know if I pronounced it correctly. Bosu because yeah. you were talking about the therapies and stuff. And as I mentioned, I've only ever seen it at my physios. So that looks to me like we started off with pain, but whether it's fitness, balance, core strength, it seems ideal. Yes. BOSU is an acronym for both sides utilized. Oh, okay. And it, it is both of the sides can be utilized for different exercises I studied it because, again, my curiosity, as you point out, it, it has been seen in various settings and, you know, physiotherapists and, 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 and other people who go through exercise therapy have, have used it. And then I wanted to know that's my thing. And if it's being used to help somebody, then I want to know. So I did study, got certified in it. And yes, it can be used with the proper 
guidance. It's not for everybody. Just like all these tools, by the way, I should caveat is that not all, you know, not all tools are for everybody. There's a certain population for each one. And if you, you know, anybody listening to this wants to help me to advise them on it, I would gladly do that by email because the last thing I want is for somebody to say, you said to use this and I'm going to go get it and I'm going to get hurt. You know, that's not what we're here for. We're here to provide you with the proper information. There's an audience for everything. So that goes to, yes, for sure. I, I loved it because it was challenging. Now, the popular myth is that you can develop core in quote air quotes core for you know <laughs> using the posu i mean if i stop somebody on the street you know uh, they don't do that anymore i guess walk down the street but if i stop somebody at random at walmart and said um you know what's a core they would not be able to answer that question because everyone has an incorrect idea they think it's abs you know you know as fitness professionals that it was a word we threw out there to just say that some segmentation of the body just for easy ease of use of nomenclature and somebody threw it out there and unfortunately it's taken on all these really weird ideas and definitions which are not true but in general you know hips up or some hip uh, area i mean the body is all one I'm just going to tell one anecdotal reference is one of my clients had an amazingly horrible, couldn't get up in the morning type of shoulder pain. I tracked it to her right, was it her right foot? I can't remember exactly what it was, the opposite foot of the side of the shoulder. I just tracked it with my, my knowledge of yoga therapy and all the other skills I have. And then we were able to do some exercises for the foot that was uh, causing the pain I tracked it to. And then her neck pain relieved and she was able to get up in the morning. The next morning, she had no pain. So all to say is there's no dissociation of the body. You cannot say, you know, I'm going to work my core. You know, that is just, it'll tell you how little you know of the body. You're working the body. When you work the body, when you do an exercise, you're working the body. They're all connected. You can't put your arm, park the arm over there and do a leg exercise. No, it doesn't happen. If it's attached, it's being worked. And you and I know that, but I just want to get everybody on the same page here. Make sure that there is no core exercise. No, it doesn't happen. But the BOSU is great at proprioception because you will fall off if you don't know where you are. And I think that's basically why I love it so much. I'm not so great on the crazy things there. I want to say out in front, since I have the opportunity, that the crazy exercises on YouTube do not do it. They offer no benefit. All fitness professionals with worth any salt will tell you that doing a dumbbell curl on the upside of the balance side of the BOSU is not going to help you get better biceps. If you want to be a much viewed video on YouTube, that's your only goal. Do it. But don't do it for any personal benefit. Stand on the ground. Get a trainer to watch you at least once. Send a video to any of your trainers. By the way, any exercise specialist on the planet who is on the internet will be glad and happy for free if they're worth their salt to watch a video of you and tell you if you're doing an exercise correctly or not because the last thing any of us want is for you to get hurt from exercise the fact that you're doing an exercise you know we want you to keep going so all of us on the planet worth our salt will be glad to, if anybody wants to send me a link to a Dropbox link of them doing an exercise that they think they might be doing incorrectly or just want me to watch their form, gladly, I will do that. And I'll say yay or nay. Now, and then if you want to train with me, that's a different subject. I'm not going to go there until I feel that's a useful avenue. It's not what we do. I just want that fear factor to go away because people are always fear. Are you going to charge me? You know, 
I mean, first of all, that whole basket, just don't even go there. We just want you to be healthy. That's why we got into the job. You know, none of us are, you know, $10 million in, you know, in reeking in it. So don't, don't even go there. It's not, that's not the kind of profession we are in. We are in to help people and that, you know, you should keep that top most of your mind. So people who are seeking out anybody on the internet, go ahead and do it. I encourage you to message people and email them and find them. But getting back to the BOSU, it's a great tool for proprioception. I do help people who have wrist issues use it for push-ups. I myself sometimes use it for step-ups because it does kind of contribute to some things, but I don't advise it across the board unless I see the client and feel that that's something that they need to incorporate. It's a nice to have. It's not a need to have, even for people who have it. I'm going to backtrack really quickly when you talked about the client with, was it neck or shoulder pain? pain, And it was down to the the foot (laughs) heel. Exact same thing happened to me. And that was my first experience with physiotherapy was I went in with, and I can't it was so many years ago now, I had an issue somewhere and she literally, and I could feel her fingers and she'd go, well, what about there? And what about there? And she tracked it to a totally different part of my body. Oh, that's normal, by the yeah, way. Yeah, totally normal. And yeah. where the body is complaining, I mean, you can just if those of you who are mothers with, with with you know small children, especially at this point, or can remember if they have older children when when they were younger. Do you remember when children complain and it's never what they're complaining about is the thing? Uh, that's always true with the body. Always. I know that from a yoga therapy point of view. I mean, I call it yoga therapy because I don't have another word for it. But strictly speaking, it is just therapy because I put all of my tools together to solve problems for people and what I know about the body. But the solution can be weight training. It can be kettlebells. It can be some asanas and can be some motion. It could be some nutrition. could be any one of those many tools we solve. But you're right. In general, where the body complains is normally not where the issue is and actually half the time it's also mental so that's why yoga helps me that's where my yoga expertise comes in because yoga is a mental science which body follows along the mind so if there's a physical problem it can be tracked down to a mental issue because the mind is walking the body Whole, whole and another, we know that like, you know, the choir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that probably is, really leads nicely into. I was going to say you you've got these methodologies that you use. Say I come to you. I'm in my late sixties and things ache, and I'm not very uh, flexible anymore. I have a little bit of extra weight. Where do you begin to discuss with me the which would be of the most benefit? Yeah. So what's the avenue of solution basically for that particular client? Mm-hmm. This varies from client to client. So I got to put that caveat out there. Yeah, Why? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in general, you could say some things might work across the board, but in my initial pre-consult conversation, just like, you know, people talk to any professional first, just to feel them out to see if we have a connection. First, I have to be able to connect with the client at some level of honesty and privacy, you know, that kind of thing that you want to let your let me in into your world so that 
I can diagnose further. I'm not going to say it's something intangible like a vibration or anything. I'm not going to go there. But generally it is. It's a kind of a whole package that I get, you know, a couple of things that are not going right. But I try to start from the overt to the covert. You know, I, I don't go to the mind right away, although that's the root. <laughs> There's something going on, and I usually pick it up right away. But if you start there, it's going to be, you know, and out the door they go. You know, that's too woo-woo for them. So I'm not going to go there. But I'll start with something that's already on their mind, because usually they come to me with an idea, like, They'll, you let them talk and then they'll somewhere and they'll say, I don't read right. Let's start there then. How would you like to fix it? You know, and then say, well, I really should be, okay, I'll help you track it. Let me be your accountability. So we start at some place where there's a handle and then we grow the, the relationship. We grow the fondness or the need to want to communicate or the trust And so that bond grows through solving one really overt problem. What? Well, they know. They already admitted it to me. So that's a place we can start. So I start where we both agree and are aware of, our awareness. So the client's awareness, her awareness is there. Let's start there. What do you want to fix? Okay, they'll tell me, you know, give me some ideas. So they'll, they'll tell me what they want to fix and how they think they want to fix it. And then I'll say, okay, well, I'll check with you in a week, you know, keep a journal or I'll, I'll usually my, my go-to plan is I make a Google drive area for them, for each client for private for them. That's just me and them. And then they write whatever they want to communicate with me in there. And then I check it, you know, so I can keep track. I may check it on a weekly basis. I'll have a weekly check-in with them and go, so how did it go? Anything else you want to change? And they'll say, well, now that I've got my eating sort of under control and I'm been able to stay off whatever it is and I feel good about it you know is there anything exercise wise you can help me with and then they'll just talk I think I should exercise more well you said it not me okay what do you want to do <laughs> what do you want to fix you know so they know what to do they just want me to be that wall which provides them with a knowledge like if they tell me oh you know and they are, haven't done a walk around the block and they want to pick up kettlebells I'll say sure let's wait Walk around the block a couple of times every day, and then let's talk in a week and see how you feel. And, you know, I park it, I, but I, I'll give them a roadmap and, so that they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I'll, I'll ask them the fundamental question, why is it you wanted to do kettle health? What is it about it that made you want to, you know, pick that up? Or why do you want to, you know, get fitter? What is it? What's your ultimate goal? I mean, just getting that proprioception, ultimately knowing themselves is all I'm doing helping them along that journey of knowing who are you and what is it you really want? Why do you want to eat better? Why do you want to do more fitness? Why do you want more fitness in your life? Why do you want to take your stress down? What's wrong with you now? What's your, what, what's preventing? What is it that you're not getting done? When they get in touch with that, why that's their anchor and they can put their lasso on it. And once I keep bringing them back to that, why they will be telling me what they need to do. And I'll just be the guide so I can make sure they're still following that journey. And I'll just be the awareness person, the person that keeps them aware of their goal and their path. Because that's what the problem is with most of us. Too much noise. 
we lose sight of our goal. What's the goal? To be healthy so that I can fill in that blank for yourself. And having talked to you for a while now, is I'm, I'm going to turn that around a little bit insofar as I can really see that, you know, like I'd come to you and I'd, I'd give you, oh, I should be eating better. So, okay, let's start there. But because you're not pushing, you're not saying, oh, uh, you know, like I can fix you, like your client will begin to trust you. I, I, it, you ooze it even on Zoom here. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, this is a person that I would, I would trust. And, and after a little while, you can start to open up with that inside the feelings or the, like, whatever it is, you know, whether yes. it's the need to be or the need not to be or whatever. Um, yes. and, and that honesty comes out after a while, which also yes. helps you do what you do. Uh, definitely, definitely. And and I always put it back to, you know, mothers are very uh, comp- competent at this because you've done that dance with your children. I'm sure everyone has, you know, where you walk in and the room's messy. So I'm hoping none of them go, you go watch TV, dear, while I clean up your own. I know real mother would do that, go. If you want to watch TV after, you're going to clean up your room. <laughs> so you give them the goal <laughs> and you've shown them how to get there <laughs> and they do it, you know, and it, that's all they're waiting for. And it's just like that. You know, we have that aspect of us where we, it's too noisy out there. I, I have too much freedom. I can ignore my goal. I can live a, a less than stellar existence, <laughs> ignoring my goal for as long as I can. But the point is, when someone comes to me, it's the point they've tipped, they've gone through the tipping point where they want to be reminded of their goal. Basically, otherwise they wouldn't come to me because they know that's what there's a part of you that knows everything. <laughs> they wouldn't come to me unless they knew. <laughs> and I think, too, as we get older, we are so reminded of our own mortality. Yeah, well, actually, there's a there's a solution for that, too. <laughs> um <laughs> We can prolong the, I'm talking like a blanket statement here, but in most cases of with my clients, I'm just going to say over the hundreds of clients that I've seen through my doors, my internet doors, um, <laughs> I have been able to kind of delay that. I know a lot of aging clients who complain about this and that. And the first thing they say is, yeah, it's aging, but it's not really, it's just not, it's a lack. Fear dwindles our abilities to be as stellar as we can, we can kind of push off the aging factors for a long time. The more we are in touch with our true nature, no fear cuts, makes that aging process faster. And the, I'm not going to say there's a fearless person out there because if you're human, you're fearful of something that just makes you human. So that's ridiculous. Don't even entertain that thought, but you know, maybe we can, a, get a handle on it when it strikes. And B, maybe we can ward off some unwanted fears. Maybe that's some avenue you can explore with yourself. Maybe you can, you know, as long as you're taking action towards something, it doesn't have as much power over you. It's an unaddressed fear is probably the, the worst destroyer of the human being. And it's such a waste because you could totally address it, look at it and make some progress towards it. I don't think that's something that, you know, people, people should think more about that subject. You know, what are the things that fear them make a list and just 
look at them. Don't do anything about them. Just understand who you are, what you're afraid of. So maybe you want to take one uh, lowest hanging fruit off that list and maybe start making some progress over it. And you'll see how much better you feel. It's the sense of helplessness that creates issues. I'm telling you, the mind and the body, that connection is so strong. So your body is just the crybaby of some inner sitting issue that's not making, you're not making an equation somewhere that something does not computing. And your struggle inside, because you've disregarded it, that struggle, you've disregarded that uneasiness in your mind. So it shows up in your body and goes, are you listening to me now? (laughs) (laughs) So here. (laughs) Just crazy how intertwined, and you've really talked about that, you know, our mind and our body and all the systems and like you think about like whether it's stress or nutrition it's just like a big tangled web of everything's in there and you have to yeah you just deal with it bit by bit by bit well you have to first of all the first job is to yes get rid of the tangle don't you know not to think of it as what would make a person untangle it that's the first question they would need to answer because anything tangled in your life whether it's a concept of fitness and health or whether it's anything else (laughs) the first job number one is untangle it because anything tangled is going to cause problems the tangling is not good so clarify it overwhelm with this whole google thing and not being able to use it as a thing i think that's where people are getting tangled because they think all this information, I have to swallow the ocean because I have to know all about nutrition, know all about lifting weights, know all about this and all about that. No, you have to help yourself. Where am I? Okay, I'm here and I'm, this is how I am physically and this is what I need to do. These are my goals. And you write them down. I mean, there's no, there's no shortchanging that. You have to take a physical pen. Hey, remember those? physical pen and a physical piece of paper remember that a book paper you have to take these physical objects because this is the equation that needs to be solved it goes down from here down to here and then your eyes see it and that's how you finish the loop so then you write you know start a writing practice and write down all the things you know i think julia cameron had a great practice of the the three pages in the morning morning pages I mean, it's great because it's, especially in this internet Google days, you know, people are just overwhelmed with everything and they're trying to drink the ocean. So the first thing to do is, you know, stop even wanting to drink the ocean. Just say, where am I? Okay, here I am. This is my life. Write it down. Write down all the things that are going well for you. Be grateful that they're going well. And then go, but on the next page, I want, you know, a little more, I don't know, a little more muscle, less pain. And start in addressing each one of those. What's the game plan? Only you can put out forest fires. Okay, now I'm, sh- I'm really aging myself. <laughs> but only you can solve those problems. <laughs> if anybody remembers that, <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, dear. It's, it, I, I love the way you talk about drinking the ocean because I always call it drinking from a fire hose. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true, too. Yeah, it's the same kind of concept. <laughs> yeah. You know, but we do it to ourselves. You know, who, 
who thinks like that? Just because the encyclopedia is now on the internet. Oh, and by the way, there's because of that, now it's not the encyclopedia. I wish it was. It's all the garbaggio. It's all the, you know, two-bit people who have woken up one morning, decided they can do a bicep crawl better than the next guy, no knowledge of, you know, human kinetics or anything of that nature, and just puts it on the internet as saying, this is the best way to do a bicep curl. And you know what? You can be healthy doing that. And so a lot of people will watch that. What are the credentials of this person? They did one curl. Got up one morning, did one really good curl. Okay, well, I don't think so. That's not the person I want to read. <laughs> no one says no one. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, too, is that sometimes I, I know people that look at that one person doing a bicep curl and go, oh, they look really good or, oh, they wear that label. And so they must know what they're talking about. It's like, how related is that? <laughs> well, so there's a, there's a red light right there because I know those people, they start out as my clients. And the first thing they do say is that a lot of the times they'll say, um, I saw fill in the blank and I want to fill in the blank. And then I have to backtrack that and say, fine, let's start there. What was it about the person that made you think you want to go that route? And they'll tell me. So write down in your notebook that you want this. You don't want that guy in that bicep crawl. You actually want this other thing. And then they'll say, yes, then write it down. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you, you, you talk about that too, because at this age, we all grew up with our Barbie dolls. Except me. I didn't have a Barbie doll. Oh. <laughs> I had a doll, but it wasn't Barbie. Oh, I had Midge. <laughs> but I was 40 years old before I realized that the shape of my body would never, ever allow me to have a 24-inch waistline. <laughs> I'd have to have I'd have to have ribs removed to get a forty inch or twenty four inch waistline. You know, I know. But, I feel sorry for that. For I mean we, that that whole generation. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so that still you know twigs in a lot of the back of a lot of people's women's minds because we're most. Oh yeah, the women. whole uh, promotion of self image, and now I like it because advertising companies are becoming more inclusive with their advertising. You know, we no longer have to put up with the <laughs> twiggies. Yeah, the twiggies of the world. We don't have to do that anymore. We can now have normal human dimensions advertising. You know, things for regular people who have regular lives. It's nice to have, you know, the J-Lo and the Jennifer Aniston because they're very inspirational with how much they do work out. But we have to keep in the back of our mind that they can afford a full roster of 24-7 people who will do the supporting work, like their food prep, or when they have five minutes, they will run in with some exercise that they can do while they're, you know, waiting for this or that. You know, that kind of thing, that's a different lifestyle. So realism has to happen. You know, what's your lifestyle? Unless you want to have a live-in trainer and a live-in food prep person, you know, don't go there. <laughs> and I think it, we go right back to what we were talking about, the definition of fitness. Like, get, get through your day. Now, as we get older, and I'd started, I was going to ask about where we'd go, but I think you've covered a lot of it. But as we get older, sometimes we are moving a bit more slowly. Sometimes we do have a few extra pounds. The thing that I think about, and I guess 
because of my time of life is I need to know that I can pick up that hefty <laughs> four-year-old grandson. Oh yeah, well, the grandson. There the you grandson. go. <laughs> you know, the dog food, I'll feed her in the car. You know, whatever. <laughs> if the worst comes to the worst. That's great. There you go. The grandson. But, Definitely. Yeah. yeah you know, want to do that. Yeah. So it's your goals. That's right. And then the other statement, you know, about few extra pounds, extra pounds based on what? That's the question people should ask themselves. You know, everyone's weight is exactly the weight they should be. Unless your doctor says you have a health problem. Like, you know, if you've got a medical problem, yeah, I'll be glad to help you. But what's wrong with you? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Like if an extra, you know, this many fill in the blank X amount of pounds is going to make you healthier because of a medical issue, like there's too much weight on your knees, there's too much weight on your ankles, and so it's causing pain. Yes, that's a problem that I can solve and help you solve. And you can go, you can suddenly grow on that. But, you know, just idle chit chat about a few extra. And I mean, that that's just got to get out of everybody's mindset. You know, that is not a thing. You know, you are as healthy as you can be, just as you are. Unless, as I say, some situation ferrets out weight being an issue. Cool. You as <laughs> if so you don't have enough qualifications <laughs> you also wrote a book i did okay <laughs> a professional woman's guide to handling stress a step-by-step guide to becoming more productive is that aimed primi- primarily at professional w- women or could a retired or semi-retired woman get some tips from that i think professional women why i said that is because uh, it's, a, it's a mindset thing um, so people who identified themselves as professional women are people who came through that route of having had a career. And it's a mindset thing rather than than uh, a prerequisite. It's more like how you would describe yourself having been a professional, you know, a working career woman, that kind of thing. But it's not a prerequisite. The The guidance in there is globally true for most women in that age category of, you know, the over 50 kind of crowd, but it actually is globally through for all. In fact, a lot of male clients having come to my yoga classes and having seen me in training and their wives, you know, would be personal training clients of mine have said to me, yeah, that's also valid for men. Why are you doing that? Like, why is, because I just, I think there's few resources that say women on them. So I just labeled it that way. Well, I think too, it's, it, first of all, that's a great reason, but also you are a woman you know, so you identify with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got firsthand proof that, uh, that, that, that stress from a woman's point of view, even if it is yeah. the same. <laughs> exactly. And I speak the language. Yeah. 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 Now uh, this could be a whole nother podcast episode, but in the book, or at least when I read the synopsis, I'm sorry, I did not read the book. It mentioned East Indian philosophy. And as I say, this could be a whole nother podcast episode, but are there a few little bits that where East Indian philosophy, and I mean, I know the answer to this, I want you to tell our, our listeners that are noticeably different from North American views. We've, su- we've summed up part of it. <laughs> yes, we did. I was just going to say that exact same thing that we summed up a lot of it. In fact, my philosophy for my consulting company, which is a Shanti consulting company is based on that very fact that in East Indian philosophy, the person comes first, the uh, awareness comes first, the mind comes first. And so that's basically the vantage point through which I solve clients' problem issues, you know, 
um, and then get them to be pain-free or whatever it is, stress-free or whatever they're wanting to do, give them a practice which enables them. And the, so the book is full of practices and tell it like it is, like how are you in this pickle that you're in? Well, here's what all is coming down. And then I kind of paint the picture of how they got to where they are. Then I describe the rest of it as about exercises that they can do to create um, the less of the annoyance factors or the stress factors in their life and how they can get through. And, you know, I know one recent client who had um, family issue, no physical, like, so it wouldn't be a regular client of mine at all. It was a really unusual client. I just had a family issue and came to me because she had read not kind of sort of knew about this book and just knew that I did stuff. And uh, so she was just uh, actually a friend. And so she said, I need to take care of this family issue. So I pointed her to my book and I did one session with her just, you know, to get, get it started. And that's all she really needed. So she used my book the rest of the way. And that, and she was amazing. And that's not the only uh, example of that. Another, I have another case history of another client who was actually a personal training client, but also had a family issue. And um, so I'm sure he was now going to find his family issues, but it's true. You know, you all have issues with the world and um, it's a good methodology in there, which puts the mind first. Um, our attitudes first are the problems that we may have to work on. We've covered a ton of territory today and I really really appreciate it is there anything else that you think a midlife woman should think about that we haven't touched on today well I wouldn't say haven't touched on I think in every refrain there's a refrain going on at the back of every uh statement that you and I both of us make and that's it that uh don't feel that you're the victim of anything you're in charge of your life you can get better you can help yourself and if you need help reach out and I'll be glad to consult with anyone and and I'm sure you would too there's just you know reach out just in general it's not advocating one person one thing or one business or anything like that it's just don't feel like you're isolated don't feel like you're a victim and don't feel that you have no way out don't feel that and this is a message for everyone across the board I know at this age point in our life, you sometimes can feel like that you're cornered. I have no way out, but I have not met a client that I couldn't help them get out. And and I'm stressed the word. I don't solve them. I help people solve their own things. And all practitioners do that. They just may not say it that way, but all people across the board, therapists, practitioners, and any other professionals will help you get the tools to get yourself out of the, the hole and they'll lead you to the, where you don't have to be there. No magic wand. <laughs> well, I'll give you the magic wand. That's, no, the, that's, that's yeah. the refrain. Give the client the magic wand and they get themselves, they tap their feet together. Remember the Dorothy, the deal, she yeah, didn't yeah. do that. She said, tap your feet. So I'll help you tap your feet. There we go. Okay. When I was on your website, I saw a pain-free active living course for women over 50. Yes. Coming up uh, in March, I'm hoping that's being put together. And I will put out, uh, you can sign up on my website now for the wait list, uh, which is uh, getchanty.com, G-E-T-S-H-A-N-T-I.com. And uh, if you sign yourself up on the wait list, you will get a free mobility guide challenge book that will give you exercises to increase your mobility 
whatever that may be, just make feel better kind of thing. That's what mobility really means, just feel better in general. And that wait list will be activated so I can send you an email when the course actually comes up to launch. Perfect. Okay. Uh, you just answered that next question of where do people find you? It's getshanty.com. Yes. And as always, the link will be in the show notes. Listeners, if you have any comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening or at twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Feel free to leave stars. They help us grow and hit the subscribe or follow button before you go. And then you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website too. Hema Murti, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today. My pleasure. It's amazing. Have a great rest of the week.